Welcome to Conversations with Toy, a blogcast tackling life one episode at a time. This is the time to air out life's craziest moments. This space is all about speaking about life's hang-ups and ways in which we can leave better than when we started. Topics are all about ways we can find space to be better in life, love, mental space and health. Happy, happy, happy Friday. I hope that your week was a very productive one. I hope that you have so much immediate joy just getting to Friday and not just alone just because it's Friday, but just out of the fact that you have done everything that you possibly could to push yourself to the limit and found a way to try to balance it as much as possible. I know some weeks are better than others. Last week, I had a great strong week where I was extremely productive but I also didn't feel as if, you know, I was, it was overbearing it. But this week, I'm going to be taking Sunday to just rejuvenate, to uh, realign myself, to calm, to have some sort of calm, you know, just have everything completely chilled out because this week has been a very interesting week. Um, With this being episode eight, keep in mind, we have two more episodes Um, to episode 10 and then we will be taking a short two-week break and coming back strong to finish out the fall the reason for that is that I could just continue going on because you know this is just the first season you know who am I to have some you know a break and all these other things however I want to make sure that I'm available for blogging I mean for podcasting I'm you know I do the blogs as well but podcasting because a lot of people are going to need as much support as possible with like I said the holidays start to gear up you start having more semi-social activities and the reality of it is that the fall is being predicted to be one of the best I mean at the best one of the worst cases of between COVID and the flu just because of the normal flu season interacting so I've said this before it's like if you have a cold or if you have COVID or if you have the flu the 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 differences between the three are going to be very short. There's a short list of what the difference will look like. And so with that being said, you know, we could be shut down again. We could have limitations on visiting people and friends. So that's going to add an extra element of stress to other people. And I just want to make sure that I'm available. It is Friday again this weekend. I'm going to be just doing very calm things. Nothing crazy, nothing crazy at all. And today's topic is going to be about working and jobs and navigating the space between should you leave a job? When is it okay to walk away? Now the market and jobs are nowhere near what they used to be, you know, back in, you know, the day, even when I was when I turned 18, my very first job. Well, let's take it back when I was 16. I think I was 16 or 17. My very first first job was working at Sears. So I was a retail um, basically worked in retail. I would ring up the customers and, you know, keep the stock together. You know, typical in my, in my thought process, typical teenagery, just need to have a job, just trying to, you know, make sure I have my own money. And at the time, my goal was to make sure that I could take care of all of my prom and senior year things. Um, and because I graduated a little, you know, my graduation was just a little crazy. I wanted to start a little early, but my first, I guess I want to say internship following that or in between that was working for a temporary agency. And so I was trained to basically, you know, do the onboarding and learn and place people, you know, the whole, you know, it was just great. It was a recruiter. It was great. So I was considered like a junior recruiter. Um, And in my first few years of working, you know, obviously, because going from high school to being, you know, working at this internship, I didn't have problems with anything with job related. It wasn't until I graduated from college. Now, there's a couple of things that I had to go through, you know, obviously, just in life in general. But I want to talk about just a couple of scenarios of things that I this is a personal personal walk and because the economy is nowhere near what it used to be I am not telling you to walk off your job and leave it because you're tired and you're sick of people I have been in jobs where I've had to sit in the parking lot 
and cry and pray myself back into the building. And that's one of the most depressing things is when you're working for someone, even if it's in a career choice that you choose. But when you get to the building, you're just like so depressed. You're so upset that, you know, why am I here? Why am I working? And we all know why, right? A large part of it is that bills don't stop. Just because you don't like your job, the bills are not going to take a break. They're not going to come and circle back just because you're having issues with your boss. That's just not how the life works. So sometimes you get in these positions where you're having to work because it's just what you have to do. You have bills to pay. You got things to take care of. You might have a family or not. And you just have to do what you have to do. So I've been in those situations plenty of times. But there's been just like certain things that I've noticed when it's the season of trying to formulate and forge something else. Now, again, I preface this by saying this is a personal decision because you can't show up in my house talking about or, you know, show up in my inbox talking about you told me to leave my job and I did. And now I'm, I ain't got nothing. To, you know, I don't have nothing. To do. I can't go nowhere. I can't pay my bills. That's not what I'm suggesting. What I am suggesting, though, is that there comes a point in time where you do have to make that decision if your job is coming up against you as far as like your mental health. Now, back in my early 20s, beginning 30s, I had no idea this idea of this concept of self-care and you know we now talk openly about mental health but you know I can remember back in like late nine, the late what 90s very early 2000s where you know it still was very uncommon to have these deep-seated conversations they're not as widespread or wasn't as widespread even then as it is now nothing for somebody to get on and have a conversation about you know, mental health or self-care now, but it wasn't always the case. So I've had a couple of jobs. We're going to talk about that. We're not going to drop any names. We're not going to drop any boss names, female or male, because I've had a mix between two. But I want to talk in particular about just having this thought about, okay, it's time for me to leave. I am ready to leave. I've had all that I can take. I have taken the time to get myself together. I have cried and prayed in the parking lot and I am sick of these people and I am sick of this job, right? And when I was growing up, my parents were very strict about us making sure like, you know, doing as best you can to represent yourself the best way that you can. I can't say I've probably represented myself very well because I haven't, that would be a complete lie. But they always try, try to teach us like decorum and just like, you know, when you leave a job, give two weeks notice, so that stuck with me as I became an adult and I could obviously make those decisions on my own to choose to either listen or to do my own thing. And in the midst of trying to stay at jobs, you know, to give this two week notice and or to just, you know, push through. Depending on the situation, you might find the stuff that you might not be in a situation where you can give a two weeks notice. The one job that in particular that I'm thinking about, I had a boss who was extremely just mean, he or she would just be a tyrant like no one could get a word in as ed, edgewise I mean he or she knew exactly what what to do he or she never wanted to take responsibility for anything that they had done and I would find myself every day feeling like I was just being chiseled at every day little by little I felt like my soul was being you know was being taken little by little now you might be thinking this girl is super dramatic. She's doing the most, maybe. But if you've ever had a job where it literally just chips away at you, no matter how great you try to be, you know, I tried to work as many hours as I could. I gave extra hours. I was very faithful. I was doing the very best that I could. And you try to get around difficult situations, right? If you get this, if you're getting not getting along with the coworker, you try to just like, let's keep it professional. Let's do what we came here to do, get this money and leave. But that may not be the case all the time. So I found myself in some dark and deep situations where I've had to, you know, I, I have to tell you about my only, I think one of my only regrets in life. And the one I, you know, I think the principle of what I'm going to talk about has shown up in different areas of my life in the past, because when you don't work through things and you don't figure certain things out, you will literally repeat the same type of situation just in just different variations of it and I had a job where I felt to my spirit that I should just leave like 
don't care, you know, no notice, just up and leave. But again, this idea of always being, you know, a perfectionist, I have a very type A personality, the concept of me just leaving this job, knowing, you know, in the back of my mind, my parents was like, you never just leave a job. You always give a two week notice. You know, you do the things by the book, you play by the book. And I really didn't have the the mindset at the time to even attempt to look for anything else. And so again, you just play this Russian roulette where I'm like, you know, one day I'm going to come in here and I'm going to snap. That's just definitely not a situation where I feel like if you've gotten to that point, you have to really figure out a second plan. But I had no plan. I had no backup plan. I didn't even have enough sense to, now I was actually interesting enough. No one knew at the time, but I was working two jobs. One at my, one of my favorite bookstores. And if you know me well, I don't even have to say the name. And no one knew that I was working the second job. So everybody just thought I was at the one job and I was just giving all these thousand hours. And I was like, I don't know how I was even able to pull off a second job, but I was working a thousand hours at the first job and then would turn around and go to the second job that no one knew I had. And I really contemplated like letting the second job know, hey, I might be available for some extra hours. You know, what can I do? And of course, that second job wouldn't have been as, you know, ideal, but it would have been better with peace. And if I would have thought the way that I know now back then, obviously, it would have been a no brainer. It would have been a complete decision to just leave the one and make it work through the second or, you know what I mean? Or just telling myself if I can just leave the one and go to the second that I can always get another second. But again, when you're young and you're basically being dumb and you don't think and you feel like you're stuck, you don't put thought processes into what makes sense. You go by emotions. So I was very delved into my emotions of being stressed out at this job of not necessarily not liking the boss, but it had more or less to do with the fact that I was just seeing so many things that shouldn't have been taking place. And even though I was never privy to what may have happened or what was going on at the time, what I will say is that you can just sense in your spirit. Like I felt like I've, I've always been a pretty judge of character, especially when I'm not romantically connected. And so I felt like there were so many times where I got that gunshot, that, that oomph, that let's go leave. This is not serving you anymore. I found myself crying. I had no social life whatsoever. So there was really no balance. And so that's why I've always talked about balance because when you have balance in your life as a principal, you can apply that across the board. If you have balance in your eating, it wouldn't make sense for you not to be able to have balance to be able to work a full-time job and go to school at the same time because you recognize balance. But I've had so many times where I've just, I knew that the balance existed. I felt the need to have that balance in place and I knew what to do to achieve it, but was so scared of being more loyal. Like Taurus or like I'm a Taurus, I'm born May 10th, but Tauruses are extremely loyal to a fault. And so we'll give you chances after chances after chances. Now, once you cross one of us, like if you cross a Taurus, after they felt like they have literally given you of their soul and chances, then pretty much you don't stand a chance. Like you don't even get a chance. You just don't, you don't, you yourself don't stand a chance. But I was finding myself completely burnt out. And I actually had to, like, I actually talked to my therapist about this a few years ago because I was just like, what was it about that time that allowed me to stay in a situation that was no longer serving? But then as being as a great, when you have a great therapist and they get to listen to you as you get to tell them about your life and you get to tell them about these different stories and you tell them about things that you don't realize is a trigger, but you learn that later on that you know that that is a trigger. There was a principle in my life that I had not been able to apply that there is a such thing as being loyal and there's a such thing as self-protecting as well. And so if I'm being loyal to something and someone else that is not being reciprocated back, if it's only a one-sided loyal situation, then the person who's the most loyal ends up losing the most. I was that person. I was the one losing the most because I felt like my whole spirit was being taken. Now, granted, let me just say again, this is not just talking about going to your job and you just don't like your job. And so you're miserable because you don't want to be there. This is talking about like for me, when I discovered major, major red flags, major, 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 um, like red flags that was suggestive that it was time to pack it up, figure out another plan and go. But that fear of wanting to leave something that's comfortable, even if that uncomfortable feeling 
is not okay. Like if, even if that uncomfortable feeling is toxic, that's why people stay in relationships that they're not supposed to be in because it's uncomfortable. You know that you shouldn't leave, but then it's like the uncomfortableness of starting over was not enough for me to just say, I'm going to get leave. And so that's my one regret. The one job that I just pretty much, in my opinion, allow my boss, whether he or she, to literally walk all over me, take advantage of my loyalty, and in so many regards, flip-flop on when they were going to be loyal. Right? I've had to go to jobs where they're like, okay, you've done something wrong. We now know about it. You know, what are we going to do? You know, this is not okay. What should we do? And I've had bosses here she literally sit there and vote against me and say well let's get rid of her and then and the big then is I still stayed even though that person physically raised their hand and voted against me to stay everybody else had my back which I also like to point out that it's amazing how you know just certain of us stick together and some don't but yeah I still stayed even after seeing that flamboyant display of you know like Maya Angelou says if you know if someone shows you who they are believe it I was one of those ones that was full of unbelief you could have a neon sign and a shirt and uh, firecrackers going up above your head but I'm sitting there like no that's not true but I found myself in that situation I think a lot of times because I never got the lesson one of the things about life is that when we don't continue to receive the lesson and walk in that lesson, we will receive and repeat the lesson over and over again until we get it right. Now, I don't know about you, but in my household, when I was growing up, if yours was your dish night and you didn't wash them dishes correctly, now not only would my parents wake you up in the middle of your good rest, like this is that point where you get to that REM sleep and they're like, hey, get your behind up and go rewash the dishes and not just the dish that you didn't clean. Now you got to wash every dish that's in the sink. But it's that repetitiveness that, okay, you know that something's not right. You know that you're supposed to, you're supposed to move, but you won't. You find yourself in a situation, you literally are the one holding the bags, right? And I've been in a situation, like I said, I have been, and this is not just one job, it's been multiple. You know, a lot of things we preface and say that, you know, like, I've always been an administrative assistant, I've always been some type of assistant, and I've never had a problem with that because, you know, I'm the type of person, at least at back in the day, I used to f- always feel like I could do anything. Now, that's a long cry from wanting to one, be an attorney or one um, when I was younger, wanting to, you know, oh, I want to be a manager or I want to, you know, I want to lead. You know, I got really content and just like, OK, I'm going to be the assistant. So that means anything you need, I got you. I can take care of this. And yes, that type of skill set is a phenomenal skill set. Let me not say that I'm knocking that in any way. But when you have that type of personality where other people depend on you and so they come to you for every little thing, if you don't put checks and balance in that, somebody's going to walk right over you. So I found myself in that situation. And in this particular job that I'm thinking about, I found that I was feeling robbed mentally and emotionally, but I didn't leave. I stuck it out and I regret that because I regret the fact that I lowered myself to a certain extent where you know how like if you have your personality is extremely bubbly and you're really like I'm not confrontational but I don't mind confronting anything like I'm not going to purposely go out my way to bring note to bring the noise to you but if you push it I'm going I'm gonna let you have it straight up and so I found myself like this is who I am but when it comes to this particular person when it comes to this particular situation I'm finding myself losing the battle of being able to even defend myself like how am I not even able to stand up for myself like who's going to stand up for me like who's going to stand up for me if I can't stand up for myself so if I would have to say if I had any regret on the planet earth that would probably be one not leaving something when you know it no longer served you and let me just say if you're listening this is a truly 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 big principle in my particular situation it was representative in its way with a job I've had that same principle show up in another way where it's been relationships if I'm putting more energy into a situation more than the other person and that person completely shows you that they're not about you they're not about a union with you but you find yourself still stuck following behind them pining after them crying after them being heartbroken after them and remember this is not just a romantic relationship this is the principle of relationships in general 
Relationships thrive when it's two people going back and forth like a tennis match, matching the energy. Because that's the only way that the ball is going to get to the other side is that when that person throws that ball and they hit that racket, you need them, the other person on the other side, to match that energy. After a while, when you don't and that ball just keeps hitting the ground and you're the only one that has to go run after it, you're going to get tired. Because you're going to get mad at the other party and say, why didn't you bring in the energy? Why didn't you bring in the noise? So that's why it's very important as a principal to be very clear that when you walk into a job or when you're in the middle of job interviewing, you shouldn't just sit there and say, when they say, do you have any questions and leave it at that. Ask why did the person that was in this position leave? And of course, you know, within the guidelines of privacy, they should be able to tell you why. But jobs are very tricky because again, we need to work. If you want to eat, if you want to, if you want to live, if you want to have a sustaining life, you have to work to pay the bills. But let me just say, I know that there has been ways and times where I felt like, again, this whole just stay, just stay, just stay and stay faithful. I'm being faithful to something and somebody and groups of people who would never do the same for my, in my return. You have a job, right? You could work at the biggest company of all over the world, all of Philadelphia, all of wherever you choose to live. But if you're not understanding that those jobs are not faithful or they don't care nothing about you because the second something happens to you, they will replace you mad quick, even if it's just temporarily with someone that works in your own department. So I struggled a lot. I want to, like I said, I struggled a lot with this ideology of let me make the stand. Let me be sure that everybody understands that at the end of the day, I don't care what is going on. I'm here to be faithful. I'm going to be the best worker I could possibly be. And that's what you're supposed to do. But you have to have some type of balance when it's time to go. It's time to go. And it's not going to be easy when you go. It's not as if you can just set this, this mantra and then this is just going to flow in. It's going to go right and everything is going to be okay because that's not actually what happens as well. But you got to be careful, like I said, when you're at these jobs and you realize the concept that everybody is not always going to be in your circle. That's why you got to stop making so many, so many friends to the point where you just everybody's your friend. Everybody's equal. You ain't filtered nobody. You ain't really checked and balanced people when they say certain things. If I met somebody and they said, oh, I'm going to do A, B and C. Then when it came time to do it and they didn't do it, that's the type of stuff you have to remember. You got to hold on to that type of thought process because that's where it all begins or it can all end. Because jobs, like I said, you can't just leave a job and then turn around and get a job the next day. Not necessarily unless it's one year time, you've done the work. There's all kinds of other factors that take in place. But everybody, you just got to you just got to keep your mind clear on this whole job situation. Because I know it's Friday and some of us is leaving that job sing in a parking lot crying because you're so grateful that you just made it another week because the job that you're at, you just can't stand. And maybe you're still there because of COVID. Listen, I'm not here to judge why you still decided to hang on or hold on to whatever you're choosing to hang on or hold on to. I'm just telling you to be more mindful of the fact that it, these jobs are not going to serve you, period. So again, one of the biggest, like I said, one of the biggest regrets I have is that obviously not leaving this job sooner, knowing good and darn well that there was nothing that they could do to service me or to be of, of service to me. You know, when you go to a gas station and you need gas, you're not going to go there looking for donut and powder. You're going to look there for whatever it is that you came with is going to be gas. You need to get where you got to go so you can get to your destination. And sometimes we take these huge detours because we're not paying attention to the fact that, hey, you're not supposed to be here. Like you're only supposed to be here temporarily. Now, let me just say, too, when it comes to friendships, that happens, too. We talked about last week about, you know, just being more alert and understanding that I've had to have very difficult situations where I've had to cut friendships off. But when you find yourself in many situations and it will happen again, if you're not careful, when you keep putting yourself in a situation where you're no longer being serviced. It's no longer an equal benefiting relationship. If it's a professional relationship, you got to find a way of to, to do it with decorum, right? When decorum is necessary, when it's necessary and when you're able to, because there's not every situation where you can be diplomatic. But I do wish that I had left. And I don't mean any of my 
you know, previous boss any harm. That's not what I'm saying. It's just the fact that, you know, it is what it is. And it gets very tiring after a while when you're legit trying to put your heart out to make sure everything is completely the way it's supposed to be. You're not being respected. You're not being appreciated. So again, do not quit your job and say that I told you to do so. I'm just saying do some soul searching and find a way if you possibly can to be empowered to find something that one matches the theme of what you're going on or what you have, whatever you're doing. But just be careful with who you give your energy to. Now, I want to switch gears because we always talk about stories that have taken place in this almighty internet. One, I want to say that my heart goes out to all of those who have been in the path of the flood or the, I want to say hurricane that's happening. I guess I'm still saying uh, flood because my house got flooded recently. But uh, the path of the hurricane that's going on right now in Louisiana, and I think Texas is on its way to being hit if it's not already hit now. My heart goes out to to every last one who's in the path of the hurricane. I've been seeing a lot of the stories that have gone past. And some of it's just been a lot of it, not just some of it. A lot of it has been completely, completely, completely devastating. Uh, Hurricane Laura has already hit and it's causing a lot of damage. It's causing a lot of, you know, I think there was a 14 year old that believed that was unfortunately passed away as, as due to Hurricane Laura. It's devastating. And I just, like I said, after having my little mini flood and I call it mini flood because the, you know, what I went through is nowhere near in comparison to what people in, in Louisiana is going through right now or Texas. And, and I don't act like it does. I'm not trying to put it in the same category whatsoever. I'm not trying to be a part of the, of the flood team. I have my own issues separately from that, but my heart does go out to them. Um, so I want to start off with that. We have to talk about, um, the political uprising, if you've had a chance to listen to both the DNC or the De- Democratic National Convention or the Republican RNC National Convention, um, I've watched both of them uh, because this is not a political podcast. And even though I am a political science major, which means I have been very trained, very trained well, very trained well, trained very well to be able to decipher like numbers and the breakdown of what certain things mean. This is not a political podcast, so that is why I'm not going to um, make it my business to try to break it down as far as doing it on the podcast. Maybe another time, maybe in a blog post, because it, it takes a lot to try to figure that out. And let's also be clear, not everybody is feeling the same way. Like there are Republicans that don't agree with Trump. There are Democrats that don't agree with their party and are for Trump. This is not my job to try to tell you whose side you're supposed to be on. That's not my job. I think we get caught up in making everything to be other people's job, but it's not. What I will say is that it's been a very interesting week with just the different thought processes and some of the things that have been said. And, you know, whether you agree with them, whether you believe it, no matter what's going on, it's not as easy as it seems like it's breaking whole families up because of the disagreements. And some of it is rightfully so because there's like some really, you know, there's a lot of major issues that has been going down. But in spite of that, you know, we have so much, you know, the Black Lives Matter movement has, you know, increased, increased. And I say increased because it didn't start. It didn't just start with just the recent deaths. It didn't. This has been going on for so long. But Jacob Blake, he was shot um, reportedly seven times and from behind or in his back And as of now, the reports are stating that he will be paralyzed from the waist down. We're not sure if it'll be um, permanent or if it's temporarily. No one knows for sure because, again, these are situations that are happening and they're unfolding. And so the story allegedly is that he was breaking up another fight and he I don't know if he was given directives to stop and or he wasn't. That is what I keep watching the videos to try to get clarification on is that he was still shot seven times. So I know, you know, we have this thought process that, you know, you're supposed to listen to the cops and that would be great if everybody could be treated equally, you know, and that if you stop and you listen and you comply that you'll somehow make it home, you won't be shot, you won't be killed. Unfortunately, as we've had time and time that has been proven that's maybe not necessarily the case. So without going too deep into the case, what I'm just trying to say is that Since this last week, we have had so much political unrest. Completely. 
people are fighting in between, you know, amongst each other, they're fighting on social media, um, you know, and unfortunately, this is a really dangerous time. This is not something that this, you know, that's going to be resolved from back and forth banter on the internet. You know, there's real life consequences to anything that we choose. It's a decision that's made. It's a flash. And that quick decision can change the, the, the outcome of our life. And so I don't want to go on to touching the social other social media stories without making sure that that obviously gets my first and undivided attention because it's a hard world out here right now. It truly and really is. But I also want to talk about some foolishness. So I don't know if you know John Gray. So I've grown up, I've grown my entire life, grew up in a church most of my entire life. And so as a PK, as I've stated before in this podcast, plenty of times before, you know, there's just certain tactics, certain things that are pretty much swept underneath a rug. And unfortunately, it is that way for male pastors. If a female pastor um, was found cheating or had any scandals, it would be them being sat down. It's a whole whip to do. But when men do it, we are so forgiving. And so John Gray is a pastor, almost like a mini. They call him like the medium uh, T.D. Jakes. And so if you know anything about T.D. Jakes, it's a mega church in you know, they're saying that John Gray is like a smaller version of that. So they're calling him medium um, T.D. Jakes. But he is allegedly being uh, found to be cheating on his wife. This would be the second time that any of us know about. Um, my problem with the situation was that in spite of him cheating and doing whatever it is that he chose to do, my biggest issue is that he allegedly involved his child. If my husband doesn't like the things that I'm doing, that's fine whether you choose to talk to me which it should be ideal for him to communicate that to me and me first and me only if possible depending on the severity of the situation but you never involve a child in your mess so John Gray has been allegedly found to have inappropriate relationships whether that means that he had full-on sexual encounters with this woman I do not know this is about his second time again that people are taking note that this happened but it's very disheartening to see that at the end of the day, you know, this John Gray is a pastor of his church. And in addition to that, you know, men have always been able to just get away with so much that if a woman tried half of the things that men do on a regular basis, I swear to you, nothing would be resolved. Nothing would work out. Everything would be in turmoil. It would be a problem because, you know, that's just it's just taboo for women to be able to get away with some of the things that men get away with all the time. He has needed to have been set down the first time that he got found cheating. And now the second occurrence is like, what are they going to do? I personally have the personal conviction to believe that if you are caught cheating, it's no longer an accident. As a lot of it has to do with you and to be cheating during pandemic times. How tacky do you have to be to do such a thing during COVID? So now you're out here trying to potentially get an STD. And then if STD don't get you, then you're trying to put yourself in a situation where, you know, anything could happen. And so it's very, like I said, the political unrest is crazy, but John Gray has to get it together, like for real, for real. And I don't know, his wife has to take some type of responsibility because it's like, if a person is found to be unfaithful, you can attempt to take them back, but there had to be red flags that took place even after the two of them got together. And now they're in this big scandal where, of course, he's been found out to be cheating again. Nobody wants to respect anything that he has to say. Nobody wants to hear anything that he has going on. And it's really simple. It's like, listen, this type of behavior is unacceptable. He's out here doing the most, having his child involved, talking about the wife doesn't cook doing all kinds of carrying on it's like honestly there's so much going on in this world right now literally so much going on right now and for somebody my husband obviously potentially to do something like this this has to be devastating but then the flip is is that as devastating as it should be and it should feel and it should turn out to be we also have to watch the fact that if we continue to allow certain people into our lives we take the responsibility we really do because if my husband came in and he discovered that I discovered that he was cheating, I mean, honestly, what else did you want us to talk about? Like, you can't just go on as if nothing happened. I mean, I know a lot of people do. It's not act like, we, you know, people are saints and they just, you know, 
they do what they're supposed to do. I mean, this happens every single day. But it's just disheartening, like I said, to be out here cheating, especially during COVID times. So I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know if he's going to lose his ministry. I don't know if his wife is going to finally divorce him. Maybe she won't. Maybe because she's gotten comfortable. It's not a lifestyle. I have no idea. That's a personal decision. Like I cannot make that up. I can't. I would love to to say yes. Um, get out here and leave. Get out here and do what you got to do. But it doesn't always pan out that way. John Gray needs. I don't even know his behind kicked. He really does. He had to buy his Lamborghini. Well, when I say have to buy, he decided to make the decision to buy his wife an expensive car when they had the allegation pop off the first time. It's like, how many gifts, how many trinkets, how many things are you going to be able to buy me before we have to come to this conversation of this is just who you are? And the who you are no longer serves the purpose by which I believe to stand on to be in a faithful marriage. I think we just have to have that conversation. You know, instead of just doing the most and having men and women look at us and and they're desiring of us and they're doing the most that we have to take responsibility always. Always. And so, yeah, I've heard people say that his wife, you know, is ridiculously stupid because she left. You know, like I said, I, too, feel like there has been and not let me just say, let me preface this real quick. I am not suggesting that my husband has cheated on me in any way but what I am saying is that when you have this principle in your life to be more faithful to then to things and people who are no longer faithful to you you really have to make a conscious decision on do you need to continue to follow this behavior do you really need to just continue discontinue not dealing with this anymore because there's nothing that you can do to take care and stop somebody from having bad behavior like I can't stop John Gray from having bad behavior because that's a personal decision unfortunately his wife would then bear the brunt of how he reacts because there's nothing that you can do to stop a person from having these bad qualities and you can know somebody for 20 30 40 years and still discover them to have bad qualities of which you either decide to pray or meditate on it you decide to leave you decide to go to counseling you decide whatever it is that you decide that's best for you and your family But this responsibility and this lack of responsibility that John Gray keeps showing for his wife just makes no sense to me. It's just really mind boggling at this time. I don't get it at all. And as far as calling her stupid, there's been she's not the first wife that stayed with their husband through a a pandemic or I should say not necessarily a pandemic, but through a crisis of, you know, big falling out. Allegations of cheating None of that. She's not going to be the first. She's definitely not going to be the last. But there just has to have a conversation of accountability. If John John Gray was accountable to himself alone. And and God of whom he says that he, you know, is a big follower of or Jesus, whatever you want to, you know, at the end of the day, like you have to take some type of personal responsibility and say, this is just who I am. Obviously, I'm out here slinging and giving out, you know, community peen to anybody that's moving and you know, it doesn't matter if we're in a pandemic, I'm going to find a way to get there. I, if I got to take a flight, if I got to take a tr- uh, a train, if I got to walk, whatever I got to do to get there, I'm going to do it. And it's just sad. It's sad to a certain extent. So, yeah, John Gray out here being a complete, complete mess. It's a complete mess because it's a, it has to be embarrassing. I can't imagine, you know, his wife just being OK with it. Like, it's all good. I cannot. And maybe she's not built like me. Maybe she is one of those wives who is just like super forgiving, super like it's all good. Or maybe it's not all good. And maybe she's putting on a united front. Like I don't know them, their lives personally. But what I do know is once it gets to the blogs or once it gets to become on social media, then the level to me of embarrassment just increases. But I could be wrong. But I pray I never have to find out. I do pray that I never have to truly, truly, truly find out. I wanted to talk about, since we're on this conversation about, again, we talk about this quite often about taking care of yourself and your mental space. And I want to say that we are going into, so my children again have their school, I believe starts in about 13, 12 days, I believe 12, 11 days. 
And I know that every parent is in a tight situation. I think we forget that part that parents are struggling to figure out the best plan. So even if you go with one plan, you're always going to have it in the back of your mind. Did I make the best decision? For me, I don't have it in the back of mind if I made the best decision as far as my children's health, because again, I, I preface that my two older kids have really bad asthma and they already flare when it's fall because of the change of the weather, change of seasons, whatever the case may be. But, you know, as a parent, I'm thinking about as I'm setting their, their areas up and getting them together for, you know, and, you know, homeschool. And when I say homeschool, I just mean online school their class are going to be in school. So that means that they're going to see their classmates from their computer, but their classmates is going to be at school. And it's not mandatory that everybody, you know, has the option, you know, it's not mandatory or it's not a thing where it's like, okay, maybe there's going to be 50% in and 50% out. We won't know until school starts. But I always ask myself, I know that I made the right decision for their health, but there's a social aspect of it too. So I just want to say to other parents who may be finding themselves in a similar situation and or if your entire school is virtual or if you had the option of going virtual versus not, you know, that decision in the back of your mind is always going to play back. Like, did I make the right decisions according to what my child needs? Health wise, hands down. Absolutely. For me. Because I want to see my kids in the next season. I know that sounds dramatic, like, oh, my gosh, but you know what? We've lost so many Americans. We've lost so many people across the world. We don't we don't even get to play that game of saying, well, you know, you're being dramatic because, you know, everybody's going to be here. But like when you have people dying left and right, like I said, I've had several people in my own family that had it. And by family, I don't mean anybody who lives in my home, but just my family. That scared me. Like, first of all, I was already taking it seriously and that scared me enough. And two, I like to listen. Like I wasn't a very, I wasn't always a good listener when I was a kid. I know my mom, if she's listening to this, be like, yes, amen, sis. She, she knows I wasn't a great kid. Like I, I was a great student and overall I was a great kid. I can't say that I was like horribly bad, but this listening thing when I was a kid, like I was the rebellious type. But since I've had children, since I have no choice but to calm down and be one of those great moms and have a great example to my kids, like I have to make the decisions that works best for them. So I'm doing whatever I can to cover my children as far as their mental health, making sure that they're healthy, making sure that they're happy, making sure that they're solid. And that may come from in our family. It may come in the form of therapy. It may come in the form of you know, us doing family events. Like I have laid down some of the rules since um COVID first hit because you got kids sitting in the house every single day my kids are used to being active this is we are an active extremely active family by far and so not being able to do as much and now we'll be in you know working from home and then we'll have them at school here at home it changes the game so please be mindful of your kids like my oldest actually came to me and was like mom can we go back to doing like the reward bucket and like mental health buckets where we, you know, a kid is having a bad day, they can go into the bucket and find something that may help them. Like it could be a fidget spinner. It could be uh, a stress ball. It could be any of those things that help them get through a moment. I rather equip my kids with the ability to know how to adjust themselves by the things that they could in the child's mindset that they could do to make their, their, their time better, like to make their mind at ease. You know, we buy, you know, we may have to buy them doodle, uh, you know, notebooks or something that, you know, they're doing their work, they're stressed out, but they can just start drawing. Some kids actually can draw and still learn because they're doing something that's taking that anxiety or that edge off. And so that is what the type of household that we are. We're going to do everything we can to figure out what it is that I can support them in. You know, I really ask myself as a parent, like, I want to make sure that my children feel completely supported. And I want them to feel supported according to the support that they need and not just the support that I feel that they should have. As my daughter, because she's my oldest, gets, you know, obviously gets older. I want to have, I have conversations with her. And we talk very candidly, obviously, for whatever, you know, 11 year old can take within their realm. And to understand that, listen, I can't create a foster home where I'm yelling and having these situations. And then I say, come and talk to me about anything. Who wants to talk to somebody that they feel like they can't have conversations with? And so we take that same principle. I'm taking that same principle. My husband's taking that same principle. 
to do whatever we can to give them the support that they actually need. And I know that there's been so many, you know, there's so many people debating online. You're debating politics, you're debating families, you're debating, I mean, the simplest of things to the biggest of things. I want us to take these debates that we have online and take them offline. And in addition to just taking them offline, I don't mean to not bring them online, but what I mean is to find a way to live the way that we're choosing to bash people online. If I tell a parent or if I tell another woman that I truly support them, don't say that just in the comments, support them. It costs you nothing to support someone sometimes. It costs you some money to support people too, but sometimes that non-costing support be the support they need the most. You have a friend that's out here writing a new book, support them. If your funds is funny and you can't afford the book, share the information with other people. Share it more than once, right? Free. The internet is free advertisement, right? Share it more than once. Tell somebody else about it. Share that information. Uh, do whatever that you can to support them. Maybe they're having writer's block and they call you and they want to talk about it. Let them. That's support. Showing them that you simply care. Do you know how many uncaring adults I've been seeing in these internet streets? It's just ridiculous. We don't have the thought process of having any type of decorum when it comes to sharing and showing love to our fellow brother. But we say we're all in this together. We all have the same blood running through our veins, no matter what color is on our outside of our skin. But we don't show that same concept offline. We don't show that same concept online. And we don't show that same concept amongst our, each other. So it's mind boggling to me that we preach and we say that we're going to show love to other people and we're going to support each other. And you know what I've learned to support people's decision, even when that decision doesn't fit what you believe that they should do. Me doing what I'm doing for my kids may not be the same thing for other people. And so I don't have the, the, the energy to sit there and bash another parent because they sent their kids to school. I don't agree with it. Let's be clear. I personally don't agree with it just because I feel like the cases are not low enough for me to do it. But I don't disagree with a parent's choice to do what's best for them. And you know how I can help? I can still support that parent even when I don't agree with what that parent is doing. I have my own very close friends who sent their kids to school. It's not my cup of tea. But I can call and say, how's everything going? And truly mean it. Do you need anything? Is there any way I can support you? Hey, let's just chit chat, you know, just to make sure that you're good. Because sending your kids out to school, to physically to school during this time, is not the walk in the park that everybody thinks it is. Because that stress level is strong. You're wondering if I made the, if you made the right decision. And you're also wondering if, God forbid, something happened and they get sick. That type of thought process is 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 too much to bear as a parent who truly loves their child you that's a lot so let's always keep in mind that there's always another side to the of the coin and that sign the other side of the coin isn't always going to be peaches and cream there's parents out here that struggle the struggle is truly real and they are struggling the same amount of stress that I'm having with my children being here yes I know I can provide them an environment that's that's beautiful that's supporting that's loving but sometimes they may just want to see their friends and not on a computer screen. Will my kids suffer socially? You know, that's a thought process. But because my friends who are sending their kids, I still show them love and support. Because that's what you're supposed to do. Find a way to support people in where they are, even when you don't agree with it. My parents did not agree with a lot of things that I did as a kid. I hope to be the type of parent to my kids that when I'm the, my most upset with them, when I can feel whatever sense of anger and frustration for God's always planted back in my heart to find a way to show them that I'm truly there for them. I just don't like the decision that they're making and find a way to not ride them because they made a decision that I don't like because I don't need to ride them. If I ride them, that's not going to make it any better. So I know everybody's not a parent. So this may not even be your struggle. You may be like, listen, that's on y'all. Y'all had them kids. Y'all work it out. I'm living single or I'm married or I'm just, you know, or I'm doing whatever it is I'm doing. And that ain't none, none of my business. That ain't none of my life. That ain't none of my portion. 
I can understand that, but just follow the same principle. Remember, you can apply principle across the board to different situations. If you have a friend, if you don't, even if you don't have kids and they're doing something that you don't agree with, if it's something that's going to cause them harm, of course, be as loud as you can to let them know, hey, I'm here. I don't want you to go through that. Um, don't do that. Stop, stop. But remember, if you touch the tip of your nose, that's where your power stops. Sometimes you got to watch people go through the worst things of their life because you can't make them stop. And so you got to still support them. You still got to show them love. That don't mean you got to continue putting up with their foolishness. Now, there's a difference between putting up with foolishness and being supportive. Just like we talked about the jobs and that, what do you do when you feel like you need to leave? Sometimes you have to leave. And that decision to leave could be very, very gut wrenching because you're wondering where's your next check going to come from? You know, you may have it on your heart that you're going to leave. I've left and thought, man, did I make the right decision? And maybe in the beginning, it don't feel that way. I've had that happen. I left on principle and especially because I didn't do it the first time. So when it came down to doing it the second time, I left shaking. I was scared. I was afraid, but I left. But even in the midst of the fact that, yes, it always worked out for my good. And in the long run, I knew from the fact that I made the right decision, that very temporary state between seeing that decision come to fruition and then making that decision initially, that space in between is a scary space. It's a dark space. It's a very uncommon space. It's not welcoming that feeling of, did I do the right thing? It's very disheartening. It's heartening. It's just, it is what it is. But just like the parents who have to send their kids to school and they still have to show love to their friends who decided to do that, it's something's completely different. When you have that moment of leaving something, leaving someone, and it's scary and it's uncomfortable, just give it some time. You will eventually, eventually be able to look back and know that you made the right decision. We debate. We tear down. We argue, we fight, we don't show love. We have all these different things happening at one time. People are really struggling for their real life. Whether that's with racial inequality, whether that's with trying to provide for their family, whether that is them dealing with COVID, whether that's just trying to deal with the major decisions in life that if they make the wrong decisions, they're going to feel the crunch of that. And that like again that space is not a good space all the time it's just not and so we got a lot of people fighting a lot of battles that we can't always see you know when you get mad at somebody because they haven't checked in on you for a while and you forget that we're all every last one of us is fighting some type of battle whether somebody can see it just like with people with chronic illnesses people have chronic illnesses that they fight things that we don't understand because we don't go through that and we don't see what they're going through internally and so we're quick to bash we're quick to turn our noses up at people we're quick to be have lack of understanding lack of empathy keep in mind every last one of us is fighting a battle and we really could do ourselves a good justice if we just learn to fall back and let people do whatever it is that they're going to do and support them in that now does that mean i have to support your wrongdoing no do I get to decide if that what you're doing is considered right or wrong? I get to decide that for myself if I feel that's something I can align with. Yes, I can't decide for you if that's a good decision, even if I feel strongly against it or for it. But we just lack this empathy. We lack love. We, we lack the fact that like I always grew up in my house where my mom would be like, listen, I don't like what you're doing, but hey, you got to make that decision, not me. You got to live with that decision, not me. So that's what I try to tell myself to people. If I have find people who are filled with hatred and they're filled with envy and they're filled with strife and they're filled with contention, that is not my lifestyle. And so as much as I'm going to love and support them, I also have to understand that that is their choice. That is their choice. And there's nothing I can do to turn that choice around. There's nothing I can do to change their decision-making process. But at the end of the day, I don't have to argue with you because you decided to make a choice that I don't agree with. Because what is the argument going to do? What is the debating going to do? I haven't seen, you know, I've been, I always get inspiration, but I'm open to receiving inspiration. Not everybody is the same way. And so even in the midst of some of the hardest lessons that I've had to learn in life, it's only when I was open to receive the lessons that I got anywhere. And it was only 
after I applied the lesson correctly that I didn't have to always keep doing the same lesson. When I was dating prior to, you know, in between my husband, because again, we, he and I met in college, I had dated somebody in high school and then I broke up with him before I went to Penn State. And then I started dating someone in college, you know, made my husband someone, my husband in college. And then in between that, I've dated other people. You know, there was things where I would run into the same person in different forms because it was no longer about that other person. It was always about me. So when I started figuring things out, then it eventually led me to my husband. But right before then, it led me to a place of peace because honestly, I felt really liberated to know that at the end of the day, I didn't have to keep making the decision, even though it felt lonely to be in the place that I was at. Because what if things didn't work out with my husband and I, would I have found love in other places? Yes. Would I have found the right love? I think I would have. But that's because I was at that point at a conscious decision to always figure me out. And so as we get to begin to just bring this down and end for today's session, it's like, you know, we always have to understand the biggest thing that we can do to show love to someone, even the, the worst of people, is to not meet them where they're at. You know, Michelle Obama says when they go uh, low, we go high. And I saw something online that said, I'm going medium because God is still working on me. That's pretty much me. But even in the midst of me feeling like I need to go like in the me in the middle or medium for me too, I'm still aware that people can do the things that they choose to do. I just have to learn to dis to decipher what is for me and what's not. And I have to also decipher who to keep at a certain length. Like you don't got to have everybody in your up in your personal space just because you feel like that's the only way for you to have friends or you that's the only way for you to 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 keep moving in life. Like I have put people in their place without putting people in their place if that makes sense meaning I can choose to bring them up to the level of entertainment or to my life where I can bring them up to a seat and bring that chair closer or further away I get to control that I do if I was having a difficulty with a parent and I've had times where I've had difficulties with my own parents and meaning difficulties meaning you know arguments and not misunderstandings or let's not even call it a misunderstanding or just a difference of opinion or difference of lifestyle or difference of whatever the case may be. I've had to separate and figure out, okay, I'm not, I don't really agree with that. So that's not for me, but I can also still love and not have to be like, okay, my parents are the worst absolute parents of life. You know what I mean? Because I've gone to counseling, I've gone and done the work. So I like to see people, I don't get people, I don't see people at their very best all the time because I can see people through their worst. But I also have to let their worst make me bad. So as we continue to take personal accountability, as we continue to find out if the job that we're in, if the career that we're in doesn't feel good to us, what can we do to change that? We can continue going, obviously, to collect our coins and maybe use it and refocus our thought process where we say, OK, this job is no longer a job. It's now going to surface me to get me to my next level. You can do that. Or you can just try to figure out something else. Or you might have to pick up two and three side hustles to replace the one that the main job that you were at because that main is just so stressful that I'd rather work for me at the time when I was having my situation with one of my jobs, I would rather work two or three jobs to compensate for this one before I continue to stay at this one like this. But it takes a special individual who's willing to knock it out the park and work hard and dedicate themselves and push through and not care. And when I say not care, not care about what other people are saying and what the other person may be thinking and do what's best for them. It takes a special individual. And we all have the capability of being that in our own lives. It's about whether a choice you choose to be that way. So I hope that you have a good weekend. It's Friday. I'm going to have another glass of wine on Fridays. That's what I like to do. That's my listen. We've earned this. Put your feet up as much as I possibly can because, you know, I'm still a mom. So, you know, COVID is still here. Ain't no turn up, no clubs, no bars, no none of that. But at the end of the day, I want to relax this weekend. I'm going to have a great time this weekend of just doing a bunch of nothing. And in this and in, in the midst of that, um, I'm hoping that we'll come together for next week because this episode uh, week number nine. And then that's one more episode until we get to have a little two week break. And then we're going to come back to support each other throughout these next, you know, couple of weeks. 
Uh, my kids will be starting a school in like 11 days. So we'll have one more podcast before school starts. Then one more podcast as they start that first week. So we'll have to see how it goes. But shout out to all the other parents that I have seen has already been struggling. I just want you to know I'm sending you prayer so that when my time comes, I need y'all to bounce that prayer back to me. Could you plan on doing that? Because I'm going to need it. Have a good weekend. We'll talk soon. Thank you as always for joining me. And I know that even in the deepest or joyful conversations, that there's something we can learn and apply. Until next time, I hope that you are doing better. If not, we will be back to talk some more and handle it. Peace to you and yours. Stay grounded.